0: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore.
1: Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to preview the Western Conference. Mike, set us up, please.
2: All right, so I put together a little tier system, and you guys are going to help take me through it. And ultimately, we will reach full... 100% 100% LFR consensus as to exactly what's going to happen <laughs> oh, in yeah, the Western yeah, Conference. Yeah, it always
1: year. happens. <laughs> yeah.
2: And now it is funny because we generally do agree on things. It's just that there are little subtleties. And I'm curious which ones of, in this case, which, ones of which teams will end up being the subtleties. But let's start at the bottom. I don't think we're going to need a lot of time. And I have four teams that I think most would agree aren't necessarily trying to win this year, but are more focused on either developing their young players uh, or positioning themselves for what might happen next season. And so, I have from the bottom: Spurs, Thunder, Jazz, Rockets. Mm-hmm. I am open to tangling that order. Some, I do think that the Rockets seem like the team that is going to have the most fun playing together, and, and you know, might be a little bit more motivated to get a couple of wins. Uh, you know, but nonetheless, are so young and defensively not there yet really but either one of you uh, jump in does either of those four teams stand out to you that shouldn't be in that tier or is there one that you would say is yeah that's that's going to be the
1: worst team for sure The one that stands out for me in kind of a peculiar way is Utah in that if they're trying to tank, I don't know if they did a good enough job of that. Like they have several pretty good players in. Yeah, Yeah, they they got got like Sexton and Markinen and Conley and Clarkson, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, right? Like if you're trying to tank a season. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like if you got those types of guys, uh, Like, are you going to be one of the worst teams? Like, to me, they're the best of those four teams, which they probably don't want to be. So I generally agree with you, though, that those are the four teams in that tier.
3: I agree with the four teams. I'm going to make a case for it's going to be weird. I'm going to say this, but OKC is just an interesting team to me. I know that they lost Holmgren Lord. Chet Holm, Grinned. my brain has not been working in terms of names <laughs> we got for a brother. long time now. Like I feel like every other pod, I'm just like, what's his name from that one team? And you guys are just like, oh Ben Caro. and I'm just like, yeah, he was <laughs> the number one pick of the draft. And there's I still can't remember his name. There's a part of your his
2: brain that, that is reserved for coming up with metaphors. We understand. And there's That's a lot what of real estate I for I that feel. too. So yeah, yeah. we got to – There's yeah. no not enough yeah.
1: space for that like the <laughs> menial, trivial stuff like that. That's where you and I come in, Mike. So, anyways, I know they lost
3: Chet and. I was very much intrigued by Chet. But when it comes to stuff like this, I'm always like, okay, well, which team has the best player out of any of these guys? And SGA is Mm -hmm. really good. One of those dudes. He is a dude that when he's playing, it's like he keeps your floor at a certain level. To me. And then you add in Dort and Josh Giddy, and then suddenly they're sort of this perimeter based team that attacks with all their guards. They're good passing. They play hard. They, the Lakers know that on any given night, when you walk into OKC from last season, that's just like, if you don't bring a, a requisite amount of effort, suddenly they're up. 10 points on you and you're just like, what the hell? This team's not supposed to be any good. And so I think they're going to be one of those teams that still is not taken seriously. Like they are the tank team. They're the Oklahoma City team where it's just like, okay, well, like we're going to go in there and just do whatever. But so I think they're kind of like Utah, like, oh, you want to tank, but some of your players are too good for that and so i agree that the spurs look to be the worst out of this bunch mike but those next three teams even houston houston has some players like green's a good player um the kid that they just drafted jabari smith like i think that he's going to be a like a good player who does a lot of like quality nba winning sort of things even as a rookie and they show us the depth of the league where it's just like all of these teams have like, Oh, wasn't this dude taken in the top six of the draft and he's actually really good. And what's going on here. So I, like, I agree with what you're saying, but like some of these teams are going to give other teams real problems.
2: Yeah, This is something we talked about at some point this summer where even the really bad teams that are not necessarily trying to win, it's all relative because of the overall increase of talent and especially young talent. And when LeBron James to bring the Laker angle into this comes into that gym, those guys are going to want to play and have fun that night and sort of show who they are in this league. And so, yeah, I totally agree, even though that to me is a clear tier. uh, Those aren't just automatic wins like you're going to have to actually show up and play basketball or there's enough that those teams can have. All right, let's move up. And this one to me is a two team tier and it's the Kings and the Blazers. And. It's teams that are certainly a step up in terms of veteran talent from those four that I just mentioned, certainly teams who's definitely in the case of the Kings really want to win and want to break what is now the longest playoff drought in American sports since the Mariners made it this year, I believe it's 16 years. And then the Blazers have you know made offseason moves that would say that they're trying to win, including uh, trading for Jeremy Grant. And of course, Lillard comes back healthy and Josh Hart, Um, Comes over a winning player uh, who we, of course, know and love from his being drafted by the Lakers a few years ago. So I don't have another team with them in that set. And as a a quick addendum here, I did not put the Lakers into the tier system. If you to me, that's either a whole other podcast or at the end, you guys can kind of we can kind of sort and think, hey, where should we put them? relative mm-hmm. to the rest, but I wanted to go through the system first and that's the next little mini tier, Blazers-Kings, and that, by the way, is in play-in range. There are there are, would be eight teams left ahead of them, not counting the Lakers.
1: I, I like that you, you're doing that with the Lakers because I think that we have the highest degree of volatility. Uh, there's so many directions uh, and a team that's yeah. still figuring out its starting lineup. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of ways this can go. Not all good, certainly, but um, I, I like that idea. I want to speak on the Kings. I've, been, I've talked about them a couple times on the pod. They seem to be building an identity team-wise. We played them twice this preseason. They were undefeated this preseason. And Mike Brown called several timeouts that were like, you know, first 90 seconds of the game or of the half, but it was on defensive breakdowns and like it, it was we don't do that kind of shit around here kind of timeouts right that they seem to really be buying in on and I also really like Keegan Murray who I think is going to be one of those rookies who's in the conversation for rookie of the year very poised very smooth at a forward spot that I think complements a lot of their ball pressure guards and again I'm not saying that they're going to be some great team or anything but I always admire teams that can kind of get the most out of the talent that they have and build an identity and they seem well on their way to that so I I really like what Sacramento is doing.
3: So this is where it starts to get tricky because after all of those teams that are sort of, I don't want to say built to lose, but hey, wouldn't mind being in the top three or four of the lottery again next season. All of these other teams are really trying to win. Mm -hmm. They're all trying to win. They're trying to win as many games as they possibly can in order to make the playoffs. And so let's go back to my theory of who has the best player. So, Hey, Mm -hmm. Portland, they still got that Damian Lillard guy. And Dame's coming off of an abdominal surgery that apparently really limited him last season. So if you're drinking the Kool-Aid on a Dame return and now butting up against that is the small guard getting into his 30s. Like, how does that look? So I'm going to have to see it with Dame like is all of the explosiveness back is all of the finishing back. But Dame used to be one of those guys that sort of guaranteed you to be in the top five or six of offensive efficiency, mm. just because he's that good of a driver of functional offense. And then they did some things this off season that really should have addressed their weaknesses, right? Like they signed Jeremy Grant, one of those forwards that they've been looking for like forever. They remember when it was like the Aminu and Harkless combination there next to Dame and CJ in Nurkic. Well, now it's now it's Jeremy Grant. And then they and Simons looks poised to be sort of the guy who makes that next leap into that class of player that can he be as good as Jordan Poole or Tyler Hero? Like he sort of is looking at that trajectory there too right they got josh hart like they brought back mm-hmm. Nurkic. i like Faith that sign gary payton the second right and so they have improved their defensive wherewithal and they've still got dame and so i'm interested in seeing what they do and on the flip side i agree with what pete's saying about like mike brown instilling culture and and all of that and so i agree that they're in that same tier mike they could also yeah. jump up and sort of surprise, either of these teams could be like, oh, they're looking to be 500 or they win 42 games. And like, would that shock me? Maybe a little. But it's like they're also good. So I
2: don't know. There's eight teams ahead, not counting the Lakers. And there the couple of flaws in why I had the Blazers and Kings out of there is the Blazers. I, I do think it's still a little bit tenuous, whether it's Dame or like they do have this other route they can go. They just took Shaden Sharp, 19 year old with talent. And there, there is a trade at some point. They could, there were all these rumors the last couple of years about Dame. I know he signed the extension, but I just think there's still, if they don't start being in that upper part of the mix, there's going to be some temptation for them to potentially go the other way. So that to me is a mitigating factor. And then the Kings, I just, I don't love the team that can start. Like if your identity is pre- defense, but in the case of starting, DeMontis Sabonis at the mm-hmm. five and not really having rim protection behind them. And then Rashawn Holmes is the guy that you're going to be bringing in off the bench uh, behind him. I, I just think that's kind of a they're a player yeah. away there, um, even if they have some interesting pieces. And Brown, he was trying very hard to win all of the mm-hmm. preseason games. That was what differentiated him from Tarbin Ham. And that's why it partly they did. But anyway, uh, let's get to the next tier. This one, I think, is going to be. Uh, for my list is going to be different from most people's and it's I'm, I'm trying to make a couple of points here but this is uh these teams I think have some variants as well and I've got Pelicans Wolves Suns now some Ooh. the Suns won 60 plus games last year the Pelicans and uh, so the Wolves made this massive trade for Rudy Gobert in, in which they sent out five first round picks they are trying to win 50 games now uh, the the Pelicans made that really nice run in which they gave Phoenix some problems and are getting Zion back. So all of these teams have legitimate upside to me, but I, I think that they also have, you know, some some real in in Darius terminology, some show me stuff that I want to see before I rank them ahead of the teams that are still above them. So Pete, which which of those three teams, if not all three, uh, is uh, stands
1: out to you forgive here. me mike i'm gonna swing the ball back to you real quick because phoenix won 64 regular season Please. games last year and so having them i yeah. i get where you're coming from but i'd love to hear your argument for having them this low
2: well so they're really they're basically on six right now as to where i have them which is going to be lower than where almost anybody else has them but the first reason uh is another year of chris paul And another year of aging. And I think that, you know, there's a certain kind of peak with Chris, and there's a certain kind of. I just got the sense from watching them in preseason in person and reading a little bit, like that starts to wear some and take out his own wear and tear. So that's one. Two is Jay Crowder, that whole situation. He's not there. Their bench is one of the worst in the NBA. Uh, They're. The whole DeAndre Ayton thing, he is now kind of like, all right, I did that whole role player thing for you guys. I set screens. I rolled to the rim. I dunked. Now I want the ball. I want to shoot 12-foot jumpers. And i want to do it all game. And I want to work on my stuff <laughs> and just the lack of motor. So theres I just think there's a lot of problems there in terms of the chemistry and the belief. And I don't think they really believe they can win the title again with that team. And when there are all these other teams in the West that are good, to me, that's the difference between – even if it's five, six, seven, eight wins, like, like that's the difference right there between top couple and moving down into that kind of middle tier. So that's that's my feeling on Phoenix, Darius.
3: They were one of the best crunch time teams mm-hmm. of all time last season. So one of the ways you get to 64 wins is those 50-50 games, yeah, they're what if they're not 50-50 games yeah. anymore? It's because you were literally the best crunch time team ever like their net rating was like plus whatever in crunch time it's a massive and it's
2: number. basically chris paul and booker are getting into the mid-range yes. and hitting jumpers like that's which was still their offense this preseason but it, it worked like every time last year for some reason
3: and like not missing at all like okay you're gonna shoot 60 percent on mid-range jumpers in the last two minutes of a close game it's just like and you're gonna win when that's the case, right? And so I'm not saying they can't replicate some of that efficiency, but it's just like, what if instead of going 10 and two in those games, you go five and five? Or or six and six, right? Like that's suddenly four more win or four more losses that you add to to the tally. So I'll kick it to you, Pete, but... Phoenix is an interesting – they're in an interesting place there, Mike. And I think the combination of vibes and um, having to come back from everything and less depth is a combination that could, in fact, hurt
1: yeah, them. Yeah, I, I, it's a bold take, but I definitely see the, uh, the rationale behind it. I, DeAndre Ayton is responsible for a great deal of the force on Phoenix. There aren't a lot of other players on their team that are like – Powerful relative to their position. They've got two skill guys in the backcourt. Bridges has a little bit of that, and that's part of the reason why I think he's super helpful. Johnson is a good athlete and obviously a shooter, but isn't quite that same like strength and power. And then when you get to their bench, Campaign, Landry Shamit, they're small. They don't have a lot of strength on their team. And so if Ayton isn't motivated to kick your ass physically and is shooting those twelve-foot jumpers and working on his game like you're saying, Mike. That's something that I I think that it will take out a lot of the the engine and force that they play with there. So I don't I don't know if I'd have them sixth, but I, I definitely see the argument on that. I want to turn our attention to Minnesota, Mike. They're a team that, uh, another team that went, I believe, no, they lost one game in the preseason and they played a lot of it without Cat and Gobert and they were really good. Like Nas the, the Reed The one is game so they good.
2: lost was, was <laughs> when they played Cat and uh, Gobert together. Now they did play Brooklyn and Brooklyn played well. Sure, but, yeah, like they the Nets blew them off the floor with that with their new starting lineup. And this is part of the reason for my skepticism. Yeah, and so
1: that's part of what's interesting about them is they've got like their small ball look is actually quite good, and I'm a big Nas Reed fan. We were talking a lot about Nas Reed over the course of this preseason, and just like he's really good at what he does, but he's stuck behind two their, two of their highest paid players. And so, to me, they're they are in between stylistically. Like they have something really good with the s- small ball, but they have to play big, and they're they have to kind of follow through on the um on the look that they were intending to to start this season, and so. So how does Kat and Gobert, how does that look defensively? How does the foot speed of that work? Like, I I think there are questions there. That said, I think they're better. Like, they have a lot elsewhere, too, that I really like. And I think in terms of force and being big, they're just a big-ass team. that I I think that they're going to win a lot of games as a result of that.
3: For me, where I am is rather than look at this tier as a three-team tier, I would make this a four-team tier and I would add Dallas. And I think it would better balance out this tier mm. of teams because the team I was about to advocate for was yep. New Orleans. I really like the way that New Orleans is built as a team. They could play big – talk about a team that can be big and physical, Pete, like mm-hmm. Valentinus Zion Brandon Ingram is a massive wing Mm -hmm. Herb Jones is a massive wing um and then they've got CJ McCollum they've got Alvarado they've got um the other kid who um was a rookie Lassie Trey Murphy yes Trey Murphy he has another good size wing who who is a shooter there Jackson Hayes has really sort of I I think found his stride as as Larry Nance they've got a ton of front guys yeah athletes who run and can play fast they have seemingly bought into what willie green is selling in terms of playing hard defensively and i think that if you stretch this tier out then and bring in a team who looks to be in the next tier up which we'll get to in in a second in dallas i think that if you were to say phoenix and dallas and then sort of as as these teams that were in the Western Conference finals last year but have had some issues right roster stuff with with Dallas and then two up and coming teams like Minnesota and New Orleans as teams that are sort of on on the ascension with younger guys who are making their push to jump into that next year I would make a case there um to say like, OK, these four teams are sort of all very similar to me and all of them could pop or any of them could drop based off of injuries or vibes or however else you want to say it.
2: When you get to the West this year and I'm, I'll get you the next year in a second, the hard part is, well, Suns, Wolves, Pelicans, all really good teams. All these teams could win a ton of games. But then the teams that I have in the next year above them, I just I think have a slightly better case for a couple of different reasons, which we'll start to get into. and. So the Mavs, let's start there since Darius mentioned potentially including them in this tier. As a team, just looking at the roster, yes, I'm giving Luca a extra bump here. And, and basically the Mavs, just because of how amazing Luca is, he destroyed the Suns uh, in, in that ridiculous game seven. I mean, I just think that a player at that level who can get your offense a great shot on every single trip, and who doesn't take away a ton defensively because he's big and he can rebound I'm basically giving them the inverse of attacks uh, for Luca. Like I'm just, they they have a credit system for me. So I've got (laughs) it. I've got Mavs Clippers Grizzlies um, in that tier directly above. And we just talked about the Suns a lot. I think that's going to be, we'll know earlier, I think in the season, I think that they're going to show for me that they've taken a bit of a step back, but they could certainly prove it wrong. Uh, and then the Pelicans, I think, are the upside team that everybody's kind of on, right? There's a lot of people nationally that like what that has a chance to be, and I get it. And then Minnesota is just the team that has to that has to kind of figure out how what they're going to be themselves uh, before, but but could certainly get into a rhythm. But that's where, you know, Mavs, Clippers, Grizzlies, to include lots of thoughts here, Pete. Most most people are gonna have the Clippers ahead, but I, I'd love to get your thoughts first on the Mavs and Luca, and how much you think one guy like that, even with an imperfect roster of complementary players, where that should suit, where that should stack a team like that.
1: Let's take a quick break and we'll come back talk about that. Here,
0: we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
1: So I agree with your credit system for guys like Luca and those, you know, tier one, tier two superstars that are in the prime of their career can carry you through a regular season I also think that it gives you a certain degree of a single point of failure where if there's an injury I put Denver in this uh, class as well although obviously they're getting uh, Murray and Porter back and so if something were to happen to Jokic they'd be more equipped than they have been in years past but whereas with Dallas they lost Brunson right and a big part of their attack was to be able to go to multiple guards now Denver witty is still in the mix but they're um they, they didn't replace brunson effectively and uh and so they're starting Javale. i think luca and JaVale has potential for some amazing pick and roll uh sequences and they acquired christian wood but when i look at their front court i don't see a ton of defense like both between Javale and christian wood especially come playoff time like those guys are targetable guys uh in terms Mexican of their cleaver's
2: pretty good but yeah, I know he's not sexy.
1: He is, but he's also not a five too, right? Like if you're playing him at that spot, he's a really good player. He's It's just, you don't have a great deal of collective size. And so the guys that they have- It's it's weird because like they, they've got classic rim protection in McGee,
2: but we know that he's not necessarily going to be like a crunch time guy. And then they've got a really nice cr- sort of stretch five in Christian Wood, but we know that he's not really a rim protector. And then they've got Kleba, who is kind of undersized. So they've got guys, like they've got some bodies there, but there isn't that you, you'd- you know, a lot of teams Yay! have the one guy that can kind of combine a couple of those things and stay on the floor a little
1: bit better. Maybe. Yeah, I think who who can stay on the floor for them in their big man spots are going to depend on who they're playing and what challenges that team that they're playing goes against. Uh, and so... You know, like last year, Jason Kidd did a great job of, I think, getting the best defensively out of a group of guys that were okay. Like, I never thought of Reggie Bullock as a particularly good defender before last year, and then he fit in quite well. And Spencer Dinwiddie was doing the best he can, right? And so that I think can have a shelf life, right? Like the first year of a coach, I think you can kind of get that buy-in from those type of guys. Getting that in year two and year three, I think, is more of a challenge, Mike. So I'm curious to see what happens there.
2: Pete, it's a good point about the coaching there. It, to, uh, it takes me to Tibbs year one in New York. Exactly. Great year comparison. was a big yes. drop off. Yeah.
3: So I agree with everything that everyone has said about Luka. I also think that the Mavs have, I think losing Brunson is a big deal. I think that he's a winning player. I think that he brings a certain mentality and a certain calm and a high baseline level of competence. He's a
1: serious customer. Yeah. And
3: he can run mm-hmm. a team, man. And he can run a team even with another guy on the floor who is supposed to run a team because he can play off of the ball. He can be an on the ball guy. And Dinwoody was great for them last year. Is he going to be great for them again this year? I'm not sure. And Christian Wood has never played serious basketball in his life. And he's on like his fifth basketball team and he has all of this talent and he's on his fifth basketball team. And whenever you're that talented and you've moved around so much, it makes me wonder Mm. if someone then starts to recognize that you do not play serious basketball. And so we're not going to build anything with you in the mix.
2: All right. I think that you guys have already convinced me uh, that the Mavs moving Darius's initial point, basically, let's move them to the other tier, um, because those are enough question marks, even with the Luka plus tax that I'm allowing and Pete is supporting that they like the Suns and the Wolves and the Pelicans have some overall bigger things to prove in this context. And so that leaves in the tier alone, the Clippers and the Grizzlies. So would either of you like to opine on what you think about either of these two?
1: I think the Clippers are in the top tier with the Warriors. Um I think almost I,
2: everybody does. And then uh, yeah. by the way, that would leave the Nuggets. That's the other team I up, up there.
1: For sure. The, the Nuggets to me are more of a team that belongs in in this tier, in uh in in that second tier. Uh with respect to the Clippers, they've been Ooh, kind of you don't of, have Nuggets in top tier this year? I don't, no. Okay, let's
2: pause on that one. I'll look forward to that debate in a couple of minutes. (laughs) For sure, yeah,
1: we'll get get to that. Um, So with respect to the Clippers, they've been gearing up, I think, to this year. They've been, you know, two seasons ago, Kawhi tore his ACL against Utah in the playoffs. They end up getting knocked out in that round as a result. And they haven't, in the Kawhi era, they haven't lined up health-wise quite the way that they have this year. And I think this is very much a, this is our year type of feeling going into it. Now, a lot of that's going to depend on their physical health but they've got superstars and they've got depth and they've got a ton of wings right they got and they've got the superstar that they have is a proven number one on a championship team but it's also that you know from the single point of failure standpoint like can Kawhi be Kawhi and can he be healthy later into the playoffs is one of the bigger questions that he hasn't been for a couple of years now and so that That in and of itself would knock them down a tier, at least if Kawhi is not part of that. But I like the combination of players that they have. I'm curious how Wall fits in. I I think it's a bit of a clunky fit, but I think that there are lineups, certainly, especially with all the shooting that they have, where he could be a really big part of that. I'm curious if he starts or comes off of the bench and kind of what the resolution is of that. But I really like the Clippers. I think they're in a good spot to contend this year. I saw a report, Pete, from um, I think it might have been Chris
3: Payne's who said that the Clippers are expected to start Reggie Jackson mm, okay, at point guard. Um, I think that's the right choice. So yeah, if sure, that's yeah. The, yeah. yeah, and so if that's the case, I would agree with that decision as well. So I agree with putting the Clippers higher. One of the things we haven't talked about a lot during this in terms of like, oh, it's been a lot about players. It's been a lot about everything else. I think Ty Lu is one of the better mm-hmm. coaches in the league. And so I'm curious to see how he manages this specific roster where health is such an important thing for their top players. And they have so much depth because there's a lot of guys on this team that deserve to play. There's a lot of guys on this team that are three shift players who may end up being two shift players or are four shift players and may end up being two shift players and keeping harmony in the locker room. They're going to have to win a lot of games for that harmony to be resolute. And I think Lu is a guy who can help facilitate that, but I'll, I'm I'm just interested in in how that goes. Low key though, an undercover guy that I think they're going to miss is Hartenstein. Good call out. So Hartenstein is mm-hmm. now in the New York Knicks And they've they're going to start Zubots, But then after that, there are no bigs on the roster who you think can play meaningful minutes in a playoff game or even like give you a different look. It's it's all wings. It's basically Marcus Morris at center. Right. And and, or Batum or one of their guys just scale scaling up. And that's a recipe for dealing with a lot of teams around the league. Right. If Draymond Green's at center, like, sure, play, play Marcus Morris there. Right. But if you have to play a team like Denver. Or you have to play a team that has Anthony Davis on it or whatever, right? Then stuff like that starts to get trickier. Mm-hmm. So I think the Clippers, because of all their talent and all their depth and their high-end talent, that they deserve to be in that upper tier just because they've got so much depth. And they're another potential trade team, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, oh, stack together three of these these contracts and go, go right. get yourself a guy who can be that other big man potentially, right? But – They've got – like I mean, if Kawhi and George are healthy, it's the same stuff we say about LeBron and AD, except behind that, they've got so many wings who can just do so many things on both sides of the floor. It's hard for me to demote them to a tier that's underneath, right? So that's kind of where I am with them. Well,
2: they were healthy when they lost to the Nuggets, right, in the bubble, um, in the collapse, and they – but this, to be clear, this list and these tiers, this is for regular season standings, right? This is not right. for upside and kind of like what could potentially happen in a playoff series. And so they get dinged by the fact that they're going to, Kawhi's is going to miss 30 games or whatever it's going to be that they're going to do as mm-hmm. just part of the plan. And yes, they have Norm Powell and all kinds of bodies to put in for him to to approximate what they can do in the regular seasons. They're going to win a ton of games. There's no doubt, but the two teams and we got to get back to the Grizzlies, which we kind of glossed over the two teams that I have above them and they're not in the tier um, are the two teams that have beaten what the Clippers have to offer because the Clippers best lineups are going small. They're taking Zubots off the floor and they don't have the player. They don't have the swing player that is a rim protector and that sort of takes care of both ends. And that's, to me, always been the fatal flaw of this Clippers team. When Mm. they go small, it's Marcus Morris or somebody like that that spaces out and shoots threes, but doesn't give you anything in way of rim protection. And that's something that Jokic was able to abuse. That's something that if they would have played the Lakers the season that everybody thought they were supposed to, and they didn't, I think Anthony Davis would have smashed in that series. And I think LeBron would have smashed in that series. And on the other end, Kawhi and Paul George are still taking jump shots. These are not players Mm -hmm. that go to the rim. Mm -hmm. So, yes, they have this incredibly expensive versatile wing heavy roster but in a playoff series yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's the part yeah, to me that i still yeah. think remains the flaw yeah, yeah, yeah. for the clippers and apparently
3: yeah, yeah, clippers.
2: apparently riggs agrees clippers, so, i caught that <laughs> let's uh let's get i do though i do want to get your guys' yeah, thoughts yeah, yeah, on yeah. memphis yeah. Um, yeah. Who is yeah. very interesting yeah. to me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he got a future. You yeah. got a future, Riggs. Apple doesn't fall ahead, off the tree. You ahead, can be, be professional at this, Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Memphis, first off, they start out, Jaron Jackson is out for a month or two still remaining. And I think that on a team that also has a great deal of depth, particularly on the wing, Jackson is one of those guys that is a bit irreplaceable Um, just from on the defensive end. He, be- he became one of the really elite defenders and rim protectors in the league last year. And I, so I think that without him, it's a different look. They still have, you know, Adams and they've got uh Brandon Clark who I really like. Uh And so they're going to be very good. And I think that that said, I'm, I don't think they win the 55 games that they won last year, uh, in part because I don't think they're going to sneak up on many teams. I think they're going to be one of the squads that when you go into their gym, you know, you're playing one of the better teams in the West. So I I'd like them, but I think that they're, you know, a 53-ish win team. Not, not too much of a downgrade, right? But uh, I think that being without Jackson to start the season is going to knock a few wins off of their total. 53 is a lot of wins. It is a lot of wins in a conference
3: that is as deep as this one. And so if they're a 53-win team, then they might be in the top tier for regular season, at least. I don't know what to make of Memphis. Jackson is so important to everything that, that they do, but Memphis sort of prides themselves on being that team that you're going to get their best effort regardless of who suits up. And playing hard, And having that electricity in the building and Jaw provides that for them. And I think when you have a galvanizing player like that, a dude who everyone else on your roster just knows is one of the baddest dudes in the league and is just going to like destroy whoever is in front of him and has that mentality himself that like I'm taking no prisoners. That guy empowers the rest of your team to be like, oh, we about to go get it tonight because this dude's going to do something crazy and Kids in other arenas are going to show up to Grizzlies games and they're going to have Ja Morant jerseys on. Mike, like he's going to get cheers from the road crowd because he is that electric. He's like the Iverson of this era.
2: Ja still embodies the spirit of this team in in such a positive way and such a contrast to what I mentioned about Phoenix earlier, where that team does not have (sighs) the spirit anymore. And even the spirit again Chris Paul one of the greatest players ever I think he's amazing but he doesn't come in like looking for the spirit like that he comes in with a hey like you guys better be on your stuff today day one and then everybody follows that for a little bit of time Jod doesn't do it that way and it Dame is a little bit like this but maybe maybe a little bit of a difference in in kind of the the energy level that he kind of brings just around the, the fringes and so Like Memphis had this amazing record without jaw last year, but I thought that jaw, if you watched, if you just watched, even on league pass, he's like right there and he's firing everybody up and he's still, so he still kind of, he gives the rest of the team that belief that, and that's the intangible thing. So Pete JJJ point is super key. He's one of the very few guys like an AD, like a Mobley uh, where you, you really do get the whole floor covered when he's out there defensively. And I did hear, though, that it, I don't know if it's going to be as long as you as you implied, but the one to two months, I think that he's things might be speeding up a little bit there. OK, great. Um, with his health. And I just think they have enough of this kind of spirit and continuity and belief, and they always find one or two guys that are better than people realize. So I I think they've earned some of that regular season belief in a playoff series. That's a whole nother discussion, and as we saw, what their limitations were last season. But um, that's why I, I think they could win more regular season games than the Clippers, even if in a, the Clippers are a better you know potential matchup mm. in, in a series against them. But I still had them I still had them below that top tier um, of Nuggets Warriors. And Pete, maybe this is a good place to kick it to you because it sounds like you're it sounds like you don't think Denver. Um, should be in that that tops space there.
1: Not necessarily. I just think that they have. Um, I think they have more single points of failure. Jokic. If if you've been following Jokic's preseason, he had kind of an odd preseason. Now, what that means, you know, we, we'll see. But he tired. Yeah. that's the thing, Mike, right? And if Jokic – like, he's had such a burden of these last two seasons where having Murray off of the floor, having Porter off of the floor this past season, where he's had to carry so much. And this has been an ongoing point that you've made that I think that it still remains that, like, at some point, dude's going to get tired. He might get injured. But, like – guys, especially as they get older, there's an accumulation where not every single season is separate from the one before it. It's all the continuation of the same story. And so while I really like like Bruce Brown and KCP, such a good guard combination to put on a Jokic team where you don't need as much ball handling from your guards, but you do need guys that can defend and run the floor and will cut. Like I really like the concept of their team. I just think that that's where I have my eyes on with Denver and seeing Jokic have kind of a funky preseason. He had a season ah, three, maybe four years ago. I think it was three years ago where through December or something, he was barely putting up any numbers. And it's like, what's going on with Jokic? You know, I, I think that he's kind of working himself back into shape. And, uh, he's got a wrist thing that's going on that is impacting his shot. And so that's why if. They're so dependent upon Jokic being great. Obviously, having Murray and Porter will help. But like if Jokic ain't Jokic, that that just in and of itself can knock them down a little bit. So I really like their team, Mike. It's just a, that I see a single point of failure there.
3: So I'm going to read you something really quickly, guys. So going back to the 2017-18 season, here are Jokic's minute totals for regular season. 24-43, 25-04, 23-36, Games played are 75, 80, 73, 72, and 74. He's played a lot of minutes. Mm -hmm. And the last three of those seasons have been compressed seasons. They've been tight. If you're looking for a potential drop-off season where it's just like, oh, kind of what happened to Jokic? I think we've taken it for granted that He's just going to go out there and play in between 75 and 80 games and put up almost triple double numbers and just be an MVP caliber player. And maybe he does that again at one of these seasons, though, we may see a bit of a regression just based off the fact that he is physically more worn down. And if this is that season, then baking that into your projection might be smart
1: right like you you're reading off those season totals those minute totals and game totals it's like well why wouldn't he just do the thing that he's done so many times over and over again right so i don't want to i don't mean to galaxy brain it no, no
2: so this you got you pete you referenced it this was my whole point last year about Jokic and how the load was eventually going to play out in in a little bit of the way that it does for chris paul in like in a playoff series and where he had to do so much and he did it great by the way and he lasted all the way through and then they eventually you know get smashed in round one uh, in a in a bad matchup with golden state right but he was still elite and i just think that Jokic, he's so big and he's so smart that even when he's tired is like i'm the kcp and the bruce brown edition the getting porter jr and, and murray back the, just a, the evolution of a guy like a zeke nagy like i just think that they have enough stuff to help Jokic not have to do what he's done as much the last couple of years um but i don't pete i don't want to argue against my, your point or because that's part of my point that's part of my belief in what it takes to get through these seasons so i do think it's something to keep an eye on i just think that denver has enough around him to keep them um elevated past some of these other teams because mm-hmm. they know they're another team they know exactly what they're doing like it's there isn't really a game plan for Jokic uh, unless you have anthony davis and then lebron to help on him and then you know another big like couple years ago like Dwight Howard and he figured some stuff out in that series and he's been a little better and a little different since um, he'll go at you one-on-one more so I I'm just um, I'm giving him the bump there and that really just leaves the Warriors and I don't even know if we need to spend a lot of time on the Warriors I don't think anyone's out here being like oh yeah clear drop off other than the whole potential for Draymond and Jordan Poole mm-hmm. uh, implosion and what that might mean but They've got some coverage, right? Like Looney's there. Uh Kaminga could rise some. We'll see what they can get from Wiseman. Steph is, is Steph. Like they've they've got some of the wing depth, even though they lost uh, out of Porter Jr., but Wiggins is just a solid. So I'm I do have them there uh in that in that top spot. Uh even the concern would be more, yeah, they won last year. Steph's gonna rest 20 games mm-hmm. this year instead mm-hmm. of 10. And but then hey, Jordan Poole, how much can he fill in? So Um, Maybe start with Darius here. You've seen him in person. You're up in the Bay. What's your Warriors read on this 2022-23 season?
3: Well, I just give the benefit of the doubt to the champion. So these young guys getting some experience through what ended up being a championship season, I just think that's going to help them. The case for drama is there. But I also think that that butts up against Steph Curry and his leadership and Steve Kerr and his leadership and their ability to sort of maintain things. Um, Where are you at, though, Pete? Like they look to me, like the clear number one, just because I give the champion that benefit I, so of I the So I have doubt. them as
1: the clear number one in terms of winning the next championship, but I always put a little bit of a penalty on the regular season that follows a championship because what they're playing for, like they're trying to get there and especially at their age, like I like counting them out in the playoffs is just a different conversation. But I think that r- from a regular season perspective, you have some factors working against you and there's a lot of oh, mileage yeah. there. My, just my rule
2: is, is to avoid that. You got to add something major. Yes. And they did in that sense, they really didn't add anything major. There's nothing super additive. So that's, that's a, you know, I'm with you on that.
1: So they're changing, right? Like maybe they're not adding what well, the big thing that they're adding is Wiseman and Wiseman's a, had a really good preseason. Um, But I think speaks to kind of a change that Golden State is going through and that they're going to be a bigger team this year. Wiseman and Kaminga, I think, are going to replace a lot of the rotational minutes of Porter and Gary Payton, the second. And so that's, just fundamentally a bigger team. How does that look out there? Does that mean less Draymond at the five because you need to get Wiseman more minutes? I think kind of figuring out where their young guys slot in to the overall bigger picture that they have so established is really the point of the season for them. And I think between that and then just getting guys physically ready for the playoffs. I think that the regular season has more of a, it has less importance to them on a, on that type of scale. Although I do think that Kaminga's is going to win them some games. Wiseman's going to win them some games, but I think stylistically they're going to be a different team.
3: You know, who's going to win them some mm-hmm. games, Pete. Steph Curry is sure. going to win them some games. And I look at Steph in a very similar way to how I looked at LeBron. I don't expect Steph to miss 10 or 15 or 20 games unless he actually gets hurt i don't i i do not expect him to rest i do not expect him to take games off i expect him to get to put in his 30 to 35 minutes a night and be an elite player for all of those minutes that he's on the court because that's basically the way that he's approached every season steph is one of those dudes who is a year-round well-conditioned athlete like he doesn't work himself into shape He like he doesn't necessarily have to like, like, okay well, step by step by step, I'm getting stronger and stronger and stronger. He looks the same. When I saw him during the preseason, he looked the same as what he did during the playoffs last year. Like it's sort of just the same dude and you just throw him out there and he's making threes. He's attacking closeouts and he's getting into the lane and he's finishing at the basket. And. He's just one of those guys to me, and he keeps their floor so high that unless you're accounting for him to get hurt, I don't see, I think that you're just going to be able to play him for 32 minutes a night, and he's going to get you places that is going to help the the rest of the team stay at a certain level. And all these guys are now paid, except for Draymond, so there's less... There's less case for that, like, to me, disease of Mm, more mm -hmm. with them as well, because they've gotten they've all gotten their contracts. The systems all sort of works for them. And I I see them being another regular season like, oh, they're in that. 52 to 56 win range which i actually think is going to be near or at the top of the west this year rather than the 64 runaway job that the suns did last season
1: so as a lakers pod guys we'd be remiss to not bring up the lakers in the context of this mike we're in a a time of transition but with the current roster which tier do you have this team in well I was
2: preparing an entire pod uh, to figure that out because I I do think that there's a lot of variance. So I don't I literally don't have them written down. I could give you an answer. I think they're I think they're somewhat in that middle tier with the with sort of the Pelicans, Wolves, Suns, Mavs. Yep. uh, You know, uh, ahead of the Blazers, Kings, below that top four. Yeah. And and that's and the variance is you know if is basically LeBron and AD games played, figuring out the rust situation figuring out a trade scenario. And there is a lot of movement that those, that just one of those couple things uh, would imply. So some, somewhere in the middle, I think if they, if they play well, they hang around, but they are not complete yet. And, and that gives a reason for concern and, you know, and potentially dropping down in, in what those rankings are.
3: I'd put them in that middle tier as well. Um, There's an avenue though, where they are, They're in the tier with the Kings and the Blazers, if things go a certain way. The question I'd have for you, Pete, is do you see them ever being able to get into that tier right below the Warriors? Like the tier with the Clippers and who else Uh, is in that tier?
1: Yeah, right. Yes, I I think it would depend on a rust trade, right? I think that that's something that uh, I I think our ceiling right now is probably like the fifth seed, maybe the fourth seed, right? And- the win totals when you get to that, especially in a Western conference like this, like winning 48 games versus 50 games might be the difference between the three seed and the seven seed a lot of years. So I don't like to think of it so much as that, but I do think that we can get to a high forties win total with this team. And I think that if we, depending on the trade that we get, I think that's what can bump us up into contention. So, uh but let's save that for, I think, that that longer pod that Mike was talking about. We've already gone long enough on this one. Uh, all right. This was fun. We're uh, having, it looks like a little three pods in two days type of deal uh, that we're, we're cramming things in. So hopefully y'all enjoy that. We'll be back with a game preview of the yeah, Golden yeah, State yeah, Warrior yeah. game. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but until then, <laughs> you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
3: James has got it in low to Mikhail. Mikhail wants to turn double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Kips the magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic score Expires again, yeah, the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left.
2: That next to the winner. It. It's on the way. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston. Of all places, are you kidding me, Kobe?
2: Hard to believe. Are you kidding, kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol. Pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game.
1: Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's,
2: There's
0: the move. Goal. Two, one. one. This is. One, it. It's over.